This is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire podcast, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. I want to take a moment to recognize the importance and gravity of today. While we are all deeply affected by the events of September 11th, there are those out there who were impacted even more, either by a loss of a loved one uh, or even after the fact. Uh, our heartfelt and sincere thoughts and prayers go out to everyone on the anniversary of that tragic day. That being said, we hope to entertain and help pass the time in as fun a way as we can. And we hope to do so with an amazing show. We've got Kevin Bacon, along with his brother, Michael Bacon. And we're talking fall movie preview, but where are all the superhero movies? Maybe it's actually a good thing. Secrets of the Sire starts now. Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture on the Sire Studios Digital Network. Check us out on youtube.com slash secrets of the sire or facebook.com slash secrets of the sire or anywhere podcasts are downloaded, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeart, you name it, we're there. Uh, tonight, we have the amazing Bacon Brothers coming on, Kevin and Michael, talking about their new single play and then we are also going to be talking fall movie preview i'm your host michael dolce joined as always by my co-host extraordinaire the lord of the radio himself mr hassan godwin how you doing sir i'm doing good it's a good evening it is a good it was kind of it was only one bad thing this evening what what was that i ordered something and it was broken when it got here but that's other than that everything was fine Things went swimmingly. Everybody, no one I know is uh, hurt in any uh, storm or uh, natural disaster. Uh, everybody's lights are on. Uh, so, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's doing well. That's good. Well, that's great. That's exciting. So I'm excited. Um, unfortunately, you could not make it, but I was able to interview Kevin Bacon and Michael Bacon, uh, the Bacon brothers. It was really awesome just a lengthy interview so we're going to get that in full uh coming up a little bit later but uh just really really neat um you know really need to actually see them in person too because the last time i interviewed them was three years ago and it was over the phone so this is great to get them on video it was amazing uh and we're going to do our fall movie preview but first very excited to launch a brand new segment that you named you coined it you did it can you can you give me uh, like some theme music for it no, because I know you, and I'll never, <laughs> ever, ever be able to get away from whatever theme song I came up with. So, this is called <laughs> Sire Bites, bringing you the latest news you need to be aware of. Uh, Hawkeye, Disney Plus series eyes Haley Steinfeld for lead role. Uh, Haley Steinfeld could soon be part of the Marvel family. Variety has learned exclusively from Good sources. Friend. It has been offered the lead role. Uh, the limited series will see Jeremy Renner reprise his role of Hawkeye, uh, played through multiple films in the Marvel Universe. And should Steinfeld join the series, she would play Kate Bishop. It's a Marvel Comics character who took up the Hawkeye mantle after Clint Barton. She's also a member of a group known as the Young Avengers. It was reported last week that Jonathan Isla is attached to write and will executive produce the series. Right. Your Sirebite take. We'll figure uh, out the terminology on this. 
my thumbs up or thumbs down take on it. That sounds good. I like Haley. Uh, she's pretty awesome. I liked her in Bubble B. I yeah. loved her in um, True Grit. So I think she's got the the acting chops for it. Um, we, you know, who doesn't like Jeremy Renner? You know, yeah. Uh, so that's gonna be, and that's gonna be on uh, the Disney streaming service, right? The Disney yeah. Plus. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna be another added attraction for it. You know, um, it's amazing to me now, though, that I mean, just where we are in terms of filmmaking and movie making now you are you know you were worried if you were a big celebrity about being typecast you know oh my gosh <laughs> being in a superhero movie i i can't be in a superhero no, movie I'm, i don't want to be known as this or i don't want to be ridiculed or embarrassed now we have a list actors and actresses starring in tv shows for marvel characters now biggest game in town well first of all that television's going to it's uh I mean, it's been in its golden age, new golden age for a long time. So mm-hmm. it's in its renaissance now, I guess they're saying. Yeah. Now. So it's, uh, I mean, television is the new thing, man. Home interactive uh, stuff. Like I was talking to you uh, when we were off the air about them. Yeah. About the Marvel app and how interactive that is, where you mm-hmm. can like enjoy that through streaming uh, devices at home. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, people are realizing that. Or, or or providers are realizing that people, people the technology is such that people don't have to leave their homes anymore. Yeah, you know, everything can be pumped into their houses. Uh, the televisions are enormous now; like it's you know it's mm-hmm. a movie experience, and a lot of people want to make the home experience as as wonderful as going to the movies. Now, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, theaters. Yeah, uh, movie theaters. I don't want to see that end. I think I, I'm a big fan of, of the outing. Mm-hmm. To a movie theater, but look, man, if I got a choice and I can have the movie experience at home, I know I, I might choose my house. So, yeah, so like everybody is kind of would kind of be, I don't know, they'd be short sighted, I guess, to, to not kind of get on the bandwagon and realize that we've got to all be part of these, uh, these, these, uh, uh, franchises that are yeah. gonna be, yeah. That are that are at the forefront of this digital age. Is they're going to be pumping this uh, information right into people's eyeballs yep. in their houses? Yep. So you know, you, you, it doesn't make any sense to kind of stand on a, a pedestal and say, "I am an actor, and therefore I will not, I shall not act unless it is on the stage." You know, well, all right, but uh, and that and, and more power to you. But other people have bills to pay. I'm going to throw this out to the audience too. I'm gonna, uh, Streaming on Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire and YouTube.com slash Secrets of the Sire. Twitch.tv slash Secrets of the Sire as well, too, but we're not as, we're not as big on that yet. Um, I wanted to call this segment Push Notifications, and I actually have a recording of me going, and then, like, so, so it has that to go along with it. I want to throw this out there and see which one you guys want to call this. But if not, that was Sirebite number one. Sirebite number two. Hold on. Like you can't celebrate that I came up with the name of this thing. And then <laughs> as soon as the first segment is over, you ask the audience whether they want to change the name of this thing or not. <laughs> I just did. That's yeah, I know, but <laughs> I just did. I mean I, I don't know. I just That's I was thinking about it as we're see, this is the, <laughs> the beauty of this show, right? I mean it's it's just continual trial and error, right? We're just continually mostly error. <laughs> but but um 
but a lot of trial here and we're, we're trying this out here so it, I, as it, i'm like any- nice to feel like i was on the show like well, okay <laughs> you are you're in our you're in our spin the rack segment every week uh-huh. spin that rack spin that rack wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. sony pictures chief on spider-man split for the moment, the door is closed. This one also from Variety. Fans oh, holding out hope that Spider-Man might be returning to the Marvel Universe will be disappointed to hear that. For the moment, the door is closed, according to Sony Pictures chairman and CEO, Tony Vinciquiera. I got that one right. Uh, speaking at Variety's Entertainment and Technology Summit, he added, it's a long life, implying that perhaps in the distant future, the web-slinging hero might swing his way back into the Disney-owned company. Uh, he pointed to Marvel boss Kevin Feige being stretched incredibly thin with new additions coming to the MCU as one of the reasons behind the breakdown. We had a great run with Feige on Spider-Man movies. Uh, we yeah, tried we to see a billion it. dollars. Thanks for the billion dollars. Two times over. We you tried know. to see if there's a way to work it out. The Marvel people are terrific people. We have great respect for them. But on the other hand, we have some pretty terrific people of our own. Kevin didn't do all the work. <laughs> that sounds desperate. That's Trumpian, you know? Yeah. Spider-Man was fine before the event movies. Oh, no, it wasn't. Are you, event are you shitting? Look, okay. All right, enough. Enough of that. Move on. And now we have our own universe. We can literally point to movies. He will play off the other characters as well. I think we're pretty capable of doing what we have to do here. No, no. I didn't want to cut you off. I just wanted to keep reading his insane comments. (laughs) John Favreau, though. What do you think about it? John Favreau, though. I think your commentary. I think they are. You can. You can blatantly see uh, them posturing, but at the same time, leaving that door open. They're wonderful people. Not the door open, it's a mistake. It is a mistake. It's just, I mean, it, it is so blatant. Like, they lost the battle. They lost the, the public opinion battle. There, there was a chance they had the public, they had the, the good graces of the public in mind mm-hmm. and in hand because a lot of people were blaming Disney for strong-arming them and trying to strong-arm them out of their property. But look, you got to look at it the other way. Disney owns Marvel. Yeah. Mar- is, Spider-Man is a Marvel product. Right? Now, yeah. now, Sony bought it because Marvel was going bankrupt and they sold Spider-Man to Sony for the games. And then Sony decided, oh, we're going to make movies and we have Spider-Man. We're going to make Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Fine. Fine. All well and good. We got the spider We got the... Um, the the told me wire Spider Man movies out of it, and mm-hmm. two out of three of those were really good. Ah, the third one's not really that bad either, and it's, all three of them made a, a boatload of money. So, right. uh, success to you guys. And then, uh, their really bad business acumen starts to come into play. They yeah, much at the end of the at the Raimi run, you know, right. with Spider Man three, they start to strong arm. They start to make. Right. This- they start to studio right. handle the, the product yeah, after the success of these other two, the artistic success these other two movies had. You step in, and then everybody wants to kind of take the credit for it. Yeah, we, got, we can do this. We can, we can expand on this, whatever. Okay, fine. Go ahead. What happened? Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, Amazing Spider-Man. We lowered our expectations, and it, it exceeded our lowered ex- I remember that soundbite. I remember the soundbite when the first – Amazing Spider-Man movie came out and it made less than Spider-Man 3. 
than, than Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And they call it a success because they had projected expectations of it, and they lowered the projections, and then it exceeded their lowered expectations while still falling short of their original expectations. But they call it a win, and then they greenlit another one. Yeah. And we all know what happened with that other one. Now, there's some amazing special effects in that other, in that other film, but it's a slog to watch. It is not really smart. Yeah. It is not. I don't enjoy it. I don't know what, uh, whether or not it's a good movie or not. I don't enjoy the movie, right? So no. that movie didn't do well, right? And they were, gonna, they were trying to do this entire thing with the Sinister Six. They were going to make a, a, an enormous, uh, uh, they were going to try to expand an enormous universe out of one property. Yeah. And Spider-Man has a lot of weight that they can, if you if you keep making Spider-Man movies, you you've got a lot of material. Mm-hmm. You're trying to expand Spider-Man movies into spy movies, and like what they tried to do with the Parkers, and you know right. uh, the Sinister Six turned into Sinister Six movies, and then they, right. they made the Venom movie. They proved that they could make outside movies. Venom did really well, but. I think Venom did really well on the goodwill that's been built because of the MCU. Venom did also did very very well for, for Sony because Sony licensed Spider-Man out to the MCU. So MCU turned Spider-Man into another viable uh, uh, commercial product again. Yeah. Like, like Sony had done with the original Raimi. When there's people that the, the audience can trust behind the material... They will come to see it. Yeah, you know, you, you saw the reaction when they when they uh, they announced that uh, uh, Andy Serkis was going to be directing Venom Two. Right, there was a yeah. lot of positive reaction to it. Right, right? so everybody's like it can't be as bad as it was. Right, everybody's meta watching these things, and everybody's more invested in in the way these movies and these these uh, these properties come into being mm-hmm. than they are with the actual end results in some in in some respects. Now, this is. This is what I think, though, too, and this is what John Favreau was actually saying at the exact same conference. I've been talking to everybody about it. I'm cautiously optimistic, Favreau said, of the Spidey situation. I think it's a long way away, and the collaboration has been really strong to this point, so I'm hopeful there's a way for us all to play together again going forward. One way or the other. They're going to make another movie if they don't. If they're gonna, so what's happening now is I, I, this is what I bet you will happen. Yeah. You won't hear anything else about it from Marvel. And, and Disney. You won't hear anything about it from Kevin Feige. You mm-hmm. won't hear anything. They, will, they will become completely mum to it. They will yeah. like, ah, work out. You know, it's too bad. We're just going to move on. And they're going to make more movies and, you know, they're going to do what they do. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to predict that Marvel's going to go strong for another 10 years. I'm not going to say anything stupid like that. But I'm right. saying they're going to, you know, they're, 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 their game is pretty powerful right now. Right. And if if anything, Sony's going to be lulled into a sense of, uh, you know, of artistic uh, arrogance or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're going to keep talking. Yeah. They're going to keep talking about like, yeah, we got the creative this and we got this. And then they're, and they're in their concern about the next Spider-Man movie that they're going to back themselves. Mm-hmm. They're going to overextend on it. They're going to oversell it. Yeah, we still got Tom Holland. Yeah. We still got, you know, you know, maybe maybe they'll get Favreau to be to to you know to to cameo in it because of uh, Aunt May, right? And they'll right. they'll they'll do maybe they'll 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 get these other things to go. And I believe because of the meta uh you know the 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 permanent middle 
of, uh, you know, the way audiences watch things, the, the meta way, I believe that they're going to exact a toll. I believe that Spider-Man movie will underperform, won't be a flop, but will underperform, and they'll have to go running back to Marvel. I predict we won't even get to that far. I, I really don't. I think it's we're going to be, it's, it's, it is going I to be more I, Sony, I, it is going to be more Sony driven, but it is going to be tied into the MCU in some way. I agree with you. But I think if it goes to if it goes further, if it goes to a movie, if Sony pushes their because it's kind of petulant. That statement was petulant, right? In its own way. What I want to see it didn't what, it didn't work out was what he, all he should have said. It didn't work out. We're going to go on with it because we love Tom and we love. Well, these that's movies. well. I, I'm glad you actually said that because what I want to see is if this is really like a sports uh, negotiation happening. I want to see Tom Holland flex his muscles and be like, I don't want to be in this movie and, and just renege on his well, contract. Contractually, well, yeah, but he, why? What would he, his star hasn't risen near enough. He'll be, you got to be careful what you do with these things because if the, the, if the, he sits if, there and says he does not want to be Spider-Man, what do you think the public, the public uh, going to be like, wait, we could get another Spider-Man and you're not. No, gonna I don't think so. Because, I think the public would, I think the public, I think, all right, let's put it this way. I think the Twitter verse would go nuts and this guy would be a hero. And that's all Hollywood it's cares about. It's a possibility. About. It depends on when he does it. Yeah. It depends on when he, if he was going to do it, he would do it now. If yeah. he did it now, he would be a hero. If he did, if he waited till Sony got, you know, got their feet off the ground and they, they started in uh, pre-production or whatever, the next movie and they announced what their next plans were going to be. And then all of a sudden he just decides he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Now you're depriving the people of another Spider-Man movie. You got to be very careful. How you, you know, do. would you care though at that point? I mean, if they had a complete, if they brought in a new actor, they'd have to really, they'd have to start from scratch again. I think people would be really like pissed at that at that point. Yeah, but I mean, they'd be pissed at Tom for doing that. I don't think they would be. I think they, I think they would recognize that it's, it's a, it's a Sony thing. I think in general. All right. Well, that was our brand new segment called Sire Bites. I hope you dig it. We hope you enjoy it. And if you like the name Sire Push Notifications, better, well, you just let us know. We'll do it for next week. Coming up next, it's our fall movie preview. Not a lot of superheroes. Actually, none coming up in the next few months. Is that a bad thing? When we come back. Check out the all-new Sire Studios website, SireStudiosInc.com. Find all your back issues for The Sire, Mainstream, Undone, and more. And be on the lookout for news and announcements, convention appearances, and brand new podcasts coming to Sire Studios. That address again is SireStudiosInc.com. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons, dedicated fans, Tom Osa, Craig Haruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Byer, Ashley Haikai, Omar Morales, Brian Phillips, Steve Hovecki, our program director, Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. Go to Secrets of the Sire uh, on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Secrets of the Sire. Uh, support us for just a buck. You get access that no one else gets. 
uh, our show outline, some additional content, some really, really cool things, plus any upcoming comics uh, that Sire Studios will be producing. You'll get a sneak peek if you go to patreon.com slash secrets of the sire. Okay. It's the fall. Uh, I talked about this in the cold open a little bit. Uh, not a lot on the docket, really. Last week, we talked about Joker. Uh, so download us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to all of our previous episodes. Go to youtube.com. You can watch any previous episodes. Uh, pretty much anything you need to see, go back to our archives. We don't have to dive too much into Joker because we did last week. Uh, but then after Joker, there's two, two more movies coming out in October, uh, and which kind of be honest with you, Hassan, a little bit of a stretch. Gemini Man, uh, which is uh, Will Smith's new film, which actually looks pretty awesome, where he's kind of battling a younger version of himself, uh, if you've seen the previews. Uh, the reason I kind of included it, Will Smith is... You know, obviously, within the world, sci-fi universe, the Matrix world, not the Matrix world, sorry, the, um, uh, he passed in the Matrix, actually. Uh, the Independence Day world, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's Will Smith, he's action hero galore, um, but it's created by uh, Game of Thrones' David Benioff, and uh, he's Game of Thrones. So I thought, it's kind of like in our universe and, and realm to talk about, um, but really it's a lack of comic book slash superhero movies coming up. That's kind of like prompted that. Jay and Silent Bob reboot comes out a few days later, uh, which again is superhero Jace. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate, uh, that obviously is a long-running franchise. That, hit, that hits November 1st. And then squeaking in, it's not a winter movie, it comes out December 20th, is Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. We will obviously be really talking about that as the months go on. Out of the five movies I just told you about, Joker, Gemini Man, Jay and Silent Reboot, Terminator Dark Fate, and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. You can only see one movie, Hassan. Which one are you going to see? Uh, if, I only, if I can only see one, it would be Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Just, but it's not because that's the one I'm yeah. burning to see most. It's just, you know, it's the last of the, it's the last gasp of the, the original series. So. So let's say let's say this. Finish watching. You that. can only see one of those in the theater. The rest you have to wait six months for. This means you'll get to see all of them, but you can only see one when it first comes out. Everything else you have to wait for it to come on cable. Which one? Same answer. Same answer. See, I would actually go Joker. I am so intrigued by Joker now. Um, but you know what's really funny? We're talking about this like lack of superheroes or lack of comic book movies in the fall. Traditionally, and this is according to uh, IO9, uh, these you know there's always been a superhero movie. Last year was Venom. Uh, the last four years, there's been superhero movies uh, that have debuted. Nothing right now. Uh, Joker. They actually even went so far as to say that if you didn't even know. Like, if it wasn't called The Joker, you wouldn't even think this is a comic book movie. This is not even close to base. Like, that's how it's more Scorsese than, um, you know, than MCU, really. So I'm, I'm very, very curious about that. Terminator Dark Fate, do you think that's going to be flash in the pan? 
Like, do you think it's going to be one of those that, like, they, they, they like, it kind of... I don't even care enough to even come up with an opinion about it. Terminator has... Really? Has, Terminator has just war as well. It's just, it's just destroyed any goodwill that I had for it. Yeah. With so many iterations, most of them bad. You know, yeah. from the John Connor, from the, from the McGee uh, uh, fiasco to the to that last one with um, what's uh, the face uh, from Game of Thrones? Amelia Clark. Yeah, I got uh, get her name, Amelia Clark. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, this movie's got um, it's got Schwarzenegger. Got Schwarzenegger. It's got did the uh, last one. Have Schwarzenegger too? I don't even remember. Yes, it did. It's it got, did, right? Yes. Um, and it's got uh, Linda Hamilton in it, which is you know kind of cool it's interesting you know um but i just don't I, come on man skynet like get it you'll never finish it you'll never win yeah. you're never gonna win skynet's never gonna win it's gonna it's a causality loop to get keep going on and on and on and on that's the that's the secret of terminator yeah you know and so like okay so like you know each each movie will be visually stunning and, and amazing the story will not move a needle Mm-hmm. You know, and or I mean, like just out of speculation, I haven't seen it. Maybe this one explodes everything. Maybe this yeah. one changes the whole thing and it reboots the whole franchise. And this is the most amazing Terminator movie since Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I I am not in the prediction business, but I'm not interested. I don't care. You know, you'll you'll someone else will come and tell me I should go see it, and then that all that's that's how I will know. Let me throw this out here, and this is again non comic book slash superhero slash sci-fi related, which is kind of our wheelhouse for all this. Do you know what movie I actually really want to see? I want to see Rambo. <laughs> I want to see Rambo last blood. I, I am like fascinated. It, it's weird. It's like car wreck fascination. Like anytime a commercial comes on for it, I, I can't look away. I don't know why. I, I, it's like, well, you're going to get your chance. I know. I know you hate the term movies we don't need or something we don't need art we don't need i know yes all art we don't need art because we don't need to live off it of all the movies to come back of all this like reboot mania was anybody sitting there going like we really need to we really need another rambo movie and i don't even mean that in an in as negative as that sounds i I know it actually sounds like i'm really being sarcastic i'm literally perplexed by like who came up with this idea like and again, so, not in a bad way. Like I'm actually kind of looking at it going, might actually be. Sylvester Stallone came up with the idea. Yeah. <laughs> this is a way for me to make more money. Sly Stallone's like. I don't even mean that against him. I got, like, yeah. I have nothing but goodwill for him, but all right, so go ahead. I am. I really like the first one. I saw yeah. the second one in the theater. I didn't see the first one in the theater when I was a kid because I was yeah. Sort of, I saw the first one on television. And then, you know, the second one had his great big action set pieces and he killed a whole bunch of Russians and he ran around and he was firing his gun. So, of course, when I was a kid, that was the better one. When I got older, I watched the first one. I was like, wow, this is, this is really an emotionally yeah. uh, powerful movie. It's got more of a message. It's before he became a cartoon character. It's a really right. sad story. Right. Um, and then I read the book, which is a mistake. And I don't mean it's a bad book. I just mean if you, right. you know, if you like that movie, maybe don't read that book. Don't read the book. I didn't even know there was a book. Yeah, because he's not really heroic. 
<laughs> in the book. Um, it's a great book. It's a fantastic book. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pulling a, a typical uh, podcast uh, um, uh, fallacy because I don't know uh, I don't know the author's name off the top of my head. Uh, that's so okay. It. But um, we live in an age where we don't have to be good at anything or right at anything, and we can make negative money like we're doing right now. It's just like you to revel in that. But anyway, um, <laughs> what's this preparation you're talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. It makes yeah, no sense yeah. to me. Let's don't don't get me started. But um, so so the I've seen the other Rambo's. I've seen I saw First Blood three Rambo three. And then Rambo. Yeah, yeah. They brought it back and Okay. You know. I don't know why. Um Let me let me throw this out. Really have, it doesn't have the through line, it doesn't have the emotional through line anymore. It's the, the, the first story is about a tragedy. Right. You know, and it's about uh, you know, not being able to coming back and you know, not being you know, not being treated with respect after all the, the terribleness that you went through in order to, you know, defend uh, an ideal that you come back home and realize that nobody home is living up to the ideal that you went out and, and defended. Right. That's the, the nature right. of it. Right, right. And it, and to such an extent, it bothers you to such an extent that you become deranged and you yourself become the enemy. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's a powerful piece. And you know the last one, he was just on. A, he was like Julie Benz, and he was on yeah, a boat yeah. with a fifty caliber, and he's just blowing people away. Well, let me let me ask you a question here, and this is this is kind of, you know, we have like about a minute left. This is why I wanted to kind of round it out full circle a little bit. Am I excited for this movie because twenty, thirty years ago, this was the glut of movies, whereas now the glut of movies is superheroes and comic books. Because, or is that the general excitement? I mean, do you think people are actually more excited because this kind of movie? What's why that? Are you excited? I wouldn't know why you were excited for it at all. I've, I can't I imagine like, why. You I feel excited. like it's a throwback to a time. Well, then you're answering your own question. Kind of movie. Right, but you, I guess, is there validity to that statement in a sense? Like, I don't know. You're the one who. You're the only. One. I mean, I understand. I understand what you're trying to to the the discussion you're trying to drum up. But you're the yes. only one who could answer. I have no idea why you would be. I mean, I I don't know why I want to go see Star Wars. You know, to an extent. I mean, it's just main plain curiosity. Sometimes you see something and like, eh, I want to see how that unfolds. You yeah. Know? Um. But you know, Rambo. I couldn't even be able to get in your head. About that, well, all right, I don't get it in my head. I, I, I'm, I talking about, I'm, not, I'm talking about the product itself, like, it, like just like um, Terminator. If someone said, "I can't wait to see Terminator," I couldn't even begin to fathom why. <laughs> you know, like, okay, yeah, you know, Terminator I'm not going to understand. Terminator is, I mean, they, no, they, they, I they, can't understand it. You, you, there's been no. no I can understand. Them. I can understand in the sense. How many of, Terminators are going to be? There's Skynet. That's they, my point. No, no, no. That's my point. There's been so many of them, so that if someone comes up to me, I go, "I don't understand," because there's been a million. First story, they said they destroyed yeah. Skynet. Yeah. So how are there? Yeah. How are there Terminators that are coming out of the the void that are like six or seven or eighty times more advanced than the T one hundred one thousand T one thousand? It makes no I sense. I know. You know. Now I understand that they moved it back and they changed it. Now Skynet because of the the advent of the internet, you know, the the creators, the writers 
have said that Skynet, they, they managed to stop the first Skynet, but Skynet is like an inevitability. Right. And it like Thanos. The internet and it, yes, yes, it snaps its fingers and then half, you know, humanity dies and the machines rise up. Um, so fine. You just, you just made the next movie. That is no, the plot you, line for the next movie. You do realize in order to, in order to just explain that in a throwaway line, they just, they just destroyed the entire franchise yeah. by saying Judgment Day is inevitable. Well, then what's the struggle? <laughs> Why are we here trying to stop it? And then, the, the, you know, like the last movie. Yeah, I know. Not even going to get on the soapbox. The last movie, they're like, the, the Skynet's actually talking to them. Like, you realize you're all horrible human beings. Human beings are a disease. You guys are violent and destructive, and you destroy each other, and you destroy the, the environment. I'm trying to save you. And every time it pops up to say this to them, the heroes shoot it with a machine gun. <laughs> and they don't. It's, there's no irony to it. It's not done with any kind of irony. It is. It is. Is totally played straight. And I mean, first of all, you're shooting in a, a holographic screen, so you can't do any damage to it. And you're also proving it right every time it pops up to say something to you. It's absurdity. And it was just. I mean, it's not even absurdity to the point where it's fun. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah. Rambo. Would Rambo, you know, uh, uh, raise such a body count that it became, you know, like a little part of the little boy and you were like, nah, I'd love to kill a lot of people. It's great. <laughs> but I don't, you know, the Terminator, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's schlock just trying very desperately to disguise itself as highbrow uh, speculative fiction. And it's not. It really isn't. It's just, All right, folks. Chime in. Oh. On the Facebook feed, you can only watch one of these summer movies. Uh, sorry, summer these one of these fall movies. Yeah, get it uh, right. In the theaters, the rest you'd have to wait for if you see them at all. Which one are you flocking to see? My pick's the Joker. Hassan's pick is is uh, Star Wars. I have a feeling it's going to come between the two of them. Uh, when we come back, though, it's just really super excited uh, to show you my interview with the Bacon Brothers, uh, Kevin Bacon, Michael Bacon. Michael Bacon, by the way. Go check on YouTube. Has an amazing Oscar Mayer commercial for Turkey Bacon, uh, the less famous Bacon brother. He's unbelievable in that. Uh, go do your homework real quick before we come back. And uh, we bring you Kevin and Michael Bacon, the Bacon brothers, when we return. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. I am privileged and honored to have the fabulous Bacon Brothers uh, join us on the Secrets of the Sire podcast. Uh, when they're not being prolific making movies or scoring movies, they are going out there on the road as a, as a I guess, a six-piece band now, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Making music and, and just living awesome lives. I mean, I guess you guys, just in general, you guys are living just awesome lives, I, I will definitely say. People say I have an awesome life. Uh, no comparison on this one. Uh, talk to us real quick. Give us the 30-second uh, elevator pitch about the Bacon Brothers, how you guys got, you know, obviously you guys are brothers, so that's how you came together, but, you know, how do you step out of the movie and film business and go out there and, and make music together? How does that decision happen? 
Well, I think it's more that it never wasn't happening. Uh, I don't ever remember a time, you know, after Kevin started walking after he was three or four years old, where we weren't making some kind of music together. Uh, our household in Philadelphia, there were six of us brought up in this skinny little townhouse in downtown Philly. And our parents valued creativity above everything else, mm -hmm. which meant uh, no little league, um, not the kind of normal sort of life that a, a child would live in suburbia, but very much um, the city was sort of part of our experience. And yeah. it's very important to my parent, our parents that we experience the city and the diversity and all that kind of stuff and also the culture. So it was um, dancing lessons, uh, music lessons, acting lessons, art lessons. That's mm -hmm. really all the things we were exposed to. So my brother and, and, and I, and also our older sister, Hilda, that I was in a band in, with in high school, that was just a very natural thing. So that, that kind of um, kept going. And as, as we got older, we started yeah. writing songs together. And I, I have a, had a recording studio. And then we started doing demos of the songs we've written and we were pitching them. And um, eventually, uh, Kevin's best friend from childhood was working in a club in Philly mm -hmm. and uh, said, why don't you put a band together and come down and play this club as the Bacon Brothers? And we said, duh, Bacon Brothers. <laughs> and so it was really just for one gig, but one thing led to another uh, and it transitioned into uh, a business that we've had now for 25 years. Um, that takes up a lot of our time and a lot of our energy and a lot of our creative output. Um, but I must say that not a lot of overall planning went into the decision yeah. to put a band together or there was very little realization on either of our parts that this would be something that would last so long. But uh, as you said, uh, we're very lucky because we get to do what we love to do. And um, the band is on a upward trajectory hopefully and uh here we are in uh, 2019 and just finished our summer tour very cool uh, i mean you, you kind of mentioned it too though uh, you know so for those yeah. that don't know michael you score uh film and, and tv shows i mean you, you i mean your your biography is like you know instruments of 12 you know you could play all these different things i feel like it's a natural evolution for you kevin did you ever feel intimidated walking into the role of musician as people only know you maybe in front of the camera uh, yeah, well, you know, um, certainly getting up in front of people and saying, okay, uh, let's see, I, I had a uh, sad experience, so I wrote this song about <laughs> it, and now I'm going to play my instrument and sing it in front of you. That's an intimidating thing for anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, e even if you are already a, um, a performer, you know, mm -hmm. which I had been for, I'd been a performer for many, many years before we ever put the band together. Sure. Um, and, and, and definitely also kind of intimidated to be around musicians who are all better musicians than me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever played with, uh, I rarely in my life have played with anyone who plays their instrument worse than me or <laughs> knows less about, um, you know, uh, the harmony or melody or reading music or chords or any of those kinds of things. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that, that, uh, I, either I, either it's, it's the challenges or, or I'm just like sort of 
you know, cocky enough to think that I, I can, I can hold my own that I, I, I just kind of do, you know, yeah. and it's been always been the same way with, with my acting too. And I also say that in terms of like musicians and starting with my brother, um, the, the musicians that I've come across have been incredibly supportive of, of me. And I've learned a tremendous, a lot amount from them. And, uh, it's, it's, it's not like I've walked into situations and people have gone, Oh, you know, um, we're not going to help you out or, right. or, or you can't play. So you're not worth hanging out with, you know, I, I, that doesn't really seem to be the MO of most musicians. Very cool. Michael, last time we spoke, you guys were really excited about the evolution of the stage show. Um, how has that grown? Uh, I think we, I, last time I spoke to you guys was 20, I want to say 2017. Um, how has it grown and, and how has just being comfortable the two, and this is a good question for both of you guys, how has the stage show kind of evolved and how comfortable do you guys feel, you know, being out there? Well, it's, I think that our stage show is very dependent on the songwriting that goes in the background of it. And if we're in a mode maybe for two years where neither of us are writing songs and we're kind of singing the same songs again, mm -hmm. it tends to take the shine off it a little bit. Yeah. But right at the moment, we're both somehow in just a crazy songwriting mode. And we are, our problem right now is we have so many songs we haven't recorded in the studio that we're playing live. So um, the, right now, the, the stage show is, is being elevated by, I think, the interest and excitement that we have of the new songs. Mm -hmm. um, and the band, uh, ever since we started, they've always been able to go wherever, wherever we were. So um, I think it's, uh, we're in a very good place right now musically. And for myself, I think I can echo what Kevin said, is I'm always, every song that I play every night, is a little bit above my head. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, there's a, a song that Kevin wrote that I sing that has a very difficult guitar part that I'm just getting able to play it um, after being on the road for two months. So, um, <laughs> and a lot of the things that used to be really daunting challenges are very easy for me now. And I, I find, I think that's sort of a you know, kind of a theme in both my brother and I and also our four sisters where we are always just kind of reaching a little bit above what we really have the chops for. And I think that our parents sort of gave us sort of a dichotomy of you got to reach into yourself for creativity, but you also can push yourself beyond what you think you're capable of. I think that was a really good message. So um, to a very long way of answering your question, I think that the band is is better than it's ever been, and the um, amount of diversity in terms of the arrangements and the orchestration is better than it's ever been. And we're going in the studio next Monday, oh, and cool. uh, we're very excited with the two new songs. And we still have another backlog of probably four songs to do. So um, yeah, it's going good. What's the studio uh, experience like for you guys? Uh oh, we lost. We lost. Kevin, you're not there. Yeah. Sorry, I had it on mute because there yeah, were yeah. sirens. Um, <laughs> and, and sirens and and uh, vacuum cleaners and snoring <laughs> dogs, I, I, everything. Michael's up there where all there is is chirping birds and woodchucks chucking. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, 
But Except I'm that I'm next to a highway, so, which was the only place that he'd get cell phones on. <laughs> right next to a highway, um, and I got five bars. So, You know, we've done, um, I guess, seven, I, I lose track, but seven or eight studio albums. And uh, it, it's evolved a lot. Um, I mean, from my perspective, you know, the first time I ever went in, to make a record that was the first record that I've ever made. And so the studio was a very, very kind of new and scary place. It was mm -hmm. as scary as it was, you know, uh, getting on stage to perform for the, for the first time. And, and I kind of felt like, well, you know, I kind of got, got used to the live show and now there's the studio thing. Mm -hmm. And in a studio, I think most people would say that you're kind of trying to recapture whatever that feeling is when the night goes really well or when the song really grooves in a, in a live situation. Sure. Sometimes that's really, it's really elusive. Um, I also think when you start to put a microscope on um, your voice, you start to put a microscope on your instrument, you know, which is really what doing a, a, a you know, a session is like, um, it, it can, uh, you can shoot yourself in the foot. Just, just kind of, um, you know, trying to, uh, uh, just get too specific or to just to, to lose the, to lose the free flowing kind of creativity that happens in a live show. So okay. that, that's, that's, that's one of the challenges. We've also recorded in a lot of different ways. We've, we've sometimes uh, been in a real traditional kind of place where we were all in the studio and we're playing and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's kind of like the old school version. Sometimes we've recorded all in our home studios separately, all six of us. And we just kind of pass the tracks around wow. and people add to them and add to them, and add to them. And then, and then we, we, we mix them. So those are two, uh, I'd say the latter is, is the thing that a lot of people tend to do these days. Um, and the former is probably a, a little bit better for us as a band. And it certainly is in some ways, um, more fun, but it's also a lot more expensive. Uh, so you kind of have to, um, uh, you know, vary that, but I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, we, we recorded an album once where, um, you know, I felt like some of the comments that we would sometimes get from people at, about our records vis-a-vis -vis our live shows that the records would sound overproduced. Hmm. And so we decided to record a, a record where we went in and we, we recorded it all live, including the vocals. And we would do multiple takes, and then we would be able to edit multiple takes together. But everything that we did was there was almost no overdubbing at all on the on the record. And uh, I remember somebody going and said, "Yeah, it's really good, but it feels a little overproduced." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Well, I don't know. I give up." You know, uh, um, but uh, it's you know it, it it changes all the time. I. I the, you know, there's so many things that go into it. The the place, you know, the room, you know, your 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 mood. Obviously, outside producers are are something that we haven't used all that often, but are, we're sometimes open to, and that's an interesting thing when somebody comes in and other players sometimes. You know, sure. uh, uh, a lot of stuff goes into it. Very cool. Uh, let's talk play. That's the new single that you guys have out. Uh, where did it come from? Uh, you know, where did the inception come from musically? It's got a really great funk, you know, funky kind of feel to it. Um, musically, where did it come from? And lyrically, where did it come from? Um, I wrote that one. You know, I, I, I was, I'm a big um, 
fan of punk. It was a big part of my, you know, kind of growing up was listening to a lot of punk music. And, and you know, through their years, through the records, there's there haven't been a, a whole bunch of, you know, kind of punk songs, but there's been enough that um, you can sort of see sometimes that, that influence in the, in the writing. And play was really a reaction to the fact that my wife and I, having been married for so many years, we get a lot of uh, questions about how we we uh, make that work. And I'm really, really... I have those it. questions too. I'm five years in. <laughs> and yeah. <it's... laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so over it because there's really no way to answer that. What you answer doesn't apply to other people. Sure. I feel like it's an unnatural pressure on people who are about to break up. I, I say break up. If you want to break up, break up. I'm not going to say <laughs> something to you. It's going to make you stay together. That I have no, I have no agenda there. And so, um, also it's just corny. And so a lot, one of the things that people say all the time about marriage is boy, marriage is a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work. You just got to put in the work. <laughs> and so play was my reaction to that comment, which is really, it's really not about work. It's about play. And just, you know, just the song just kind of popped out. I wanted to do something funky and it was, it was, it was, uh, I wrote it quickly and, and we recorded it quickly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in the middle of shooting and I said, you know, I got a couple of days off and I think this one's um, ready to go. Mike agreed. And we just, we went over to New Jersey to a uh, great little studio on the other side of the Lincoln tunnel called mm -hmm. Hobo, uh, right in, right in um, uh, Weehawken. Um, and uh, uh, we recorded it. Very cool. Michael, you mentioned you guys have a few more in the works. Uh, what, what's the feel, what's the preview that you could, you know, vocally well, tell us about? <laughs> the, the next two we're, we're cutting, um, we're doing a song I wrote called uh, The Way We Love, which is really just a delicate kind of acoustic uh, song. Um, and then we're going to do a song called She's Easy that Kevin wrote, which is very much based on a loop. And one of the things that's happened, I think, um, in the last couple of years is our demos have been kind of detailing the way the track is going to come out more and more, especially in Kevin's case, because mm -hmm. Kevin went from someone when we started the band that, that really didn't even play much guitar, let alone have a studio and uh, no production techniques. And... Um, for that reason, he was more reliable, more reliant on me, um, a long time ago. And now he has his little home studio and he has really great, uh, production ideas. And it's kind of like we're doing what he came up with and kind of just, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're taking it to the next level. Mm -hmm. So this one's going to have his base is loop based. Um, and the loop, uh, is just perfect for the song and all the guys are always trying to screw around with the loop and say let's do this do that the loop is just it's there and um uh it's a it's a really interesting kind of summer uh lay back the the closest thing i can i can compare it to would be um grooving by the by the rascals you know it's just yeah. kind of feel good positive uh but hip sounding song. And so the two are very, very different. And, uh, and I think we're both excited about both songs. So that'll, let's see, we have play done. These will be the, we have probably 
after we get these down, we probably have another four or five that we're, we're hoping to record. I don't know when it's going to happen because whenever you look forward, it just seems sure. like chaos and there's no time and we'll never get there. But we always seem to figure it out. Very cool. So now this is actually your side gig for both of you guys. Uh, Michael, you're teaching and you're, comp and you're a composer for film and television. Kevin, uh, your new series, City on a Hill, uh, it's getting a lot of great buzz for your performance. Uh, talk to me about, uh, talk to us about your experience in season one and, and just how contemporary uh, City on a Hill uh, feels in today's world right now. Yeah, uh, City on a Hill uh, was a great experience. It takes place in, um, in the 90s. Um, and, which which uh, we're reliving right a, now, right? <laughs> which well, we're reliving well, now, right? <laughs> well, the thing is, is that it has a lot to do with um, racism and and uh, corruption, and and you know, Boston actually made a little bit of a, a turn for the better at that moment. But um, you know, in terms of there's a, there is a lot of stuff that you turn around and you go, wow, we have really how how far have we actually come when you when you look at it? Yeah. Um, I, I really like, um, I like the character a lot. You know, he's, um, uh, it's a, he, he, he's a character that just every time you see him, he's doing something offensive or mm -hmm. saying something offensive or doing something that's self-destructive or destructive to the people around him or, or corrupt or immoral. I mean, he's got a really, really, low bar of morality and is very very strong on uh the ends justify the means right for whatever he thinks that is in his world and he you know operates completely from a, a his own set of rules um and i like the character because i i had done and i had been exploring in a way uh whether i wanted to or 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 not the no, I did want to, you know, I wanted to look into characters who were less verbose and had a sort of, uh, internalized life and mm -hmm. see how much, uh, emotion and acting you can put across without words, you know, just by eyes and, and, and expressions and body language and all that kind of stuff. And, and luckily I was, I was, a, I, guess, I sort of had a few characters in a row that, that kind of felt like that. Um, and on television, not the least of which was the character on the following Ryan Hardy. Yeah. Um, and then this guy came along, Jackie Rohr, and the guy can't shut up. I mean, <laughs> you know, when you, when you, when I take my scripts, I highlight them in uh, yellow. And I remember when Kira was on, on the closer, I used to look at her scripts and go, holy shit, that's a lot of yellow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you do it and now when i look at the city on hill scripts it's the same thing it's just i just go on and on and on and on and on so uh it's it's been a it was a really fun fun um season to shoot and we're getting excited about next season very cool michael you're teaching uh your semester is is your semester coming up this year or, or oh it's 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 in, in full swing <laughs> oh man uh, what's the experience of shaping the next generation of 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 musicians and film and film uh composers well, it's, it's a really interesting challenge. Lehman College is in the Bronx, and it's really pretty much a, a, an inner-city college, four-year yeah. college. And um, there is a lot of raw talent. As everybody knows, the Bronx and music is, is a big part of it. So my job is to um, move the students' technology forward in mm -hmm. terms of music technology, production techniques, film scoring, 
video game scoring. At the same time, they have a wonderful opportunity at Lehman College to get a background in the more traditional conservatory types of things, you know, music theory one, counterpoint, uh, orchestration, 20th century composition. Wow. And there's a friend of mine teaches here named John Corleano, who's one of the most famous uh, composers in the world and also an Academy Award winning film composer. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's sort of a, a, a well-kept secret. And I, part of my job and part of the reason that they brought me in is to try to shed some daylight on this amazing facility. We have pretty much pound for pound a top 10 video audio recording facility in, mm -hmm. New, York, in New York City. Uh, we have a gigantic recording room, which is fully videoed with state-of-the-art cameras, equipment, audio, seven-foot Steinway piano, uh, microphone collection to make mm -hmm. uh, engineers drool. So um, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm trying to do is get it to be um, competitive with the other schools like Berkeley College of Music, uh, USC, um, uh, NYU that cost literally 10 times as much uh, as Lehman College, which is part of the city and the university of New York. So I think what we're doing is we're giving the students um, in the community, oh, I just dropped myself, sorry. <laughs> uh, see, I get carried away when I talk about teaching. <laughs> and I think we're doing it. And it's a long process. It takes a while. You know, uh, academia is very entrenched in tradition. And um, I'm trying to figure out ways to, to educate the students in the most efficient way as possible. And I think I'm succeeding. Very cool. Uh, last question, Kevin. Uh, you got a taste of superheroes. We are a superhero podcast. We talk about all the comic book movies. You got a taste of it in X-Men First Class, uh, but that was before Marvel was kind of like what they are now and superhero movies itself. Uh, you got any uh, inkling to want to rejoin the MCU and, and get in that? Oh, mute, you're on mute again. <laughs> Well, as long as we don't, as long as we don't have to listen to that German accent for three months on the road. Listen, I, I would love, I would love to, but you know, I, I, I said to somebody the other day, but I, I've already done my guy, but they were like, but no, that's the different side a, of Marvel. So yeah, 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 I, that's you, a different you universe. Would, you would be able to explore that, uh, explain that more to me, but, but <laughs> yeah, listen, I, and and on a purely practical basis. Unfortunately, maybe not for 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 you. If that's a big part of your um, life and your audience, those are the movies that are getting made now. Yeah. Um, the movies that were getting made when I started making movies are very very few and far between. You know, m movies that cost you know twenty million dollars and and are about you know something other than than comic books and superheroes. The studios make uh, you know four or five gigantic, uh, you know, 200, $250 million movies a year. And, mm -hmm. and all of, all of the other stuff that is a little bit more in line with what I do is on television. Yeah. So, um, that being said, sure. I, you know, if, if, if Marvel had a, uh, a, a part for me, I'd, I'd love to do that. Very cool. All right. We're going to, we like to do some fun stuff with, uh, with our guests. Uh, we're going to round out our interview uh, with a little game called Love It or Shove It. I'm going to okay. say, say a, dis, a definitive statement. You guys are going to say whether you love it or shove it. You can both take turns doing it and, uh, and why. So it should be, uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll start on the music end of things. The concept of the album, the LP, is dead. Love it or shove it? Shove it. 
Elvis should not be dead. You know, um, our, our management just released a um, retrospective of, of Glenn Campbell, and it, it was a CD, four or five CDs, and the booklet had every musician who played on every one of those songs, not only the rhythm section and the producer, but all the string players and horn players and whatever. So um, we need to uh, keep the album concept and be much more diligent in giving people credit for, for um, uh, what they, how they contributed to the album. And when in the old days in vinyl and you get an LP, you put it on, you'd listen, and then you'd look and see where was it recorded, who was playing on it. And a lot of times you knew the people and it was, that was a big part of it. And that's completely gone. So please don't lose the <laughs> album. Kevin, love it or shove it. Oh, I'd say, uh, I just echo 100% what Mike just said. Awesome. Uh, playing live music is more fun than your day jobs. Love it or shove it? Shove it for me. Um, I, think the, <laughs> I think the concept of fun for me in music does not exist. It's when you decide to, to do nothing but one thing, the ability to have fun with it kind of goes out the window. Um, and that's one of the things you, you um, kind of give up when you become a musician. But um, so if there were another word uh, for but fun, maybe rewarding or exhilarating or challenging, uh, I, would, I could probably um, love that statement. But the fun part about it, I, I can't. Kevin? Uh, I, yeah, I'd say shove it. You know, I, I, part of what, what, what that always implies to me is that I, I hate acting. You know what I mean? People always say to me, boy, it must be so fun for you to get away from acting and be able to just play music. I'm like, wait a second. If I, if I hated acting, I guarantee you, yeah. I would not have spent my life doing it. I just wouldn't have. And so, uh, I, but when it comes to, uh, I agree with Michael, it, it is work, but I find them both really fun. Okay. Uh, the best superpower to have is flight. Love it or shove it. Michael? Uh, gosh, superpower. Um, you could basically just kind yeah, of say which one I you want. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, being able to fly, I think, isn't that sort of the basis of all mankind's desire is to, is to get up and look down on us all, you know, on your own, on your own steam? Yeah, flying, that sounds good to me. <laughs> Kevin, love it or shove it? I'll say shove it. I think I would be, I think I would like invisibility better. Ooh. Are you guys uh, watching or have you watched The Boys on Amazon at all? Uh, on Amazon no. Prime? Take a look. It's an off-the-wall uh, superhero uh, take it's a, it's a corporation of superheroes essentially and uh, the guy who can fly is very scary and the guy who's invisible is very creepy it's very weird and it's an awesome it's an <laughs> awesome thing so I definitely recommend checking that out all right love it or shove it we got two more turkey bacon is the best bacon no comment <laughs> I have I have um, how do I put this let's put it this way I did an ad for turkey bacon once so I think I'll just and the off chance they might want me to do a sequel, I think I'll just leave that. No, I will say I would, turkey bacon, love it. Please hire me. <laughs> love it. Yeah, that's, I was going to suggest going with love it. Yes, yes. I came around to that, Kev, eventually. I, I saw the <laughs> ad. And, and, in, 
Yeah. In solidarity with my brother, I'll say love it too. Yeah, I saw the ad. I had to ask. I, Michael, I love the fact that you can kind of like, like that ad to me was just, it was absolutely hilarious. For anybody who doesn't realize, uh, he did an Oscar Mayer uh, turkey bacon ad. It's it's an amazing ad. Go check it out. Uh, You can see it on YouTube. Uh, It's really a good ad, I've got to say. It still stands up. It was was fantastic. Uh, All right. This one is probably more for Kevin uh, because the last time we talked, but love it or shove it, we're never going to see a Knicks championship. I'm gonna shove it, man. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> I, I may, maybe not this year. <laughs> no. Uh, but listen. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What really should be the question? How about a How about a winning season? Okay. How about How about How about How about How about, how about getting into the playoffs? Yeah, you know. yeah. Start with baby let's, steps. Let's, yeah, let's go baby steps. Oh man, yeah. Last time we were talking, it was I think it was 2016. Actually, we were we were excited about Chris Stapps Porzingis. We were excited about uh, all the future and uh, RJ Barrett. We're 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 excited with RJ Barrett. The funny thing is, my audience has no idea what we're talking about right now. My audience, <laughs> I'm one of those. I don't know what you're talking about either. My co-host <laughs> refers to the Super Bowl as the ball game. So, <laughs> but. I got to slip one in there because I'm a big. I will big say fan. one, just one, just one quick aside. If if it, it, I I wouldn't have pictured a I wouldn't have pictured a uh, a world where the Clippers and the Nets were the two <laughs> best teams in the NBA. So, so if I could if I could never have pictured that, I can picture a next championship. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets tickets on sale now. Check it out. <laughs> Two years. Uh, guys, this has been great. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, I hope you had fun. Uh, we love having you on. And uh, I, I believe uh, if, if, my, if my facts are straight, we're going to play a little bit of your music coming up next. Thank you guys so Thanks, much. Michael. And you have a great musical name, by oh. the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Uh, once again, I want to thank our guests, uh, Kevin and Michael Bacon, the amazing Bacon Brothers. I want to thank Patty DeVry from Devious Planet for helping to get us uh, all connected. Uh, really a thrill and an honor uh, to talk to them about their new single play, which you just heard a little bit, a little snippet of as well. So really awesome stuff. All right, we do this every week. We go spinning the racks. Bringing you the inside scoop on the material that will one day make its way into theaters. We bring you an abbreviated version of Spinning the Racks. Uh, This week we thought we would just give you some comics you need to read this week coming out today, or that came out today, September 11th, 2019. Starting off with Powers of X number four. Hassan, you are like, you're just like, 
I love the fact that I've rejuvenated your love of comics by uh, getting you into this House of X and Powers. Would not call it that. <laughs> Would not call it that. You're not liking it. Um, I'm not not liking it. Yeah. Um, the I think the story is good, as I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem is it's the same with the Terminator. It's just worn out. It's goodwill. Yeah. The, re- the reboots have have uh, worn me down. I know, and I've been, I've followed all the reboots of X Men too. So at this point, it's like almost feel like another Someone's one. Someone's gonna come along a couple of years and reboot it all again, <sighs> and they're know. gonna throw all of this away. It's not if they had guts, in my opinion. Yeah. If they had guts, they'd be like, "This is the way it's gonna be, regardless of book sales." They canceled Uncanny X Men. Right. Uncanny X Men's been. They'll bring that back. It doesn't matter. They canceled the Uncanny X Men. Right. Okay, that's been around since before I was able to read. Mm-hmm. And they cancel it. And they shuffle the deck and say, I get it. I, I understand. And I understand it's a business. And I understand they're trying to sell. They need, they need revenue. They need uh, readers. They need to spice things up and make things interesting for people to come back. I'm all for it. I am not putting them down for trying something new. All I'm saying is they try something new a little too often. Yeah. And and they try and, and their method of trying something new is always to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know? So it's like I I'm I'll I'm give them credit on this looking, but in a, in six months from now you're gonna reboot this whole thing. Warren Worthington's gonna get wings again and <laughs> we're gonna I mean that's when I actually stopped yeah. reading. Yeah. When he when he grew his wings back. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't Archangel anymore. He wasn't Apocalypse's Archangel anymore. I was like, all right. This is You're done. That was it. Yeah. Where were the wings hiding? You know? They weren't in, the, in his metal wings. They were in his shoulder blades. You know, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, if you remember the, the, what Louise and Walt Simonson had done, the psychological yeah. trip that they took him on because yeah. he lost his wings. And, he, and then the, 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 the self, the identity of whether or not he's still a mutant. Because he doesn't have his wings, but everything that he has now yeah. is mechanical. Okay, that's that's really heady stuff. Yeah, and it's just a great visual. Archangel was always a cool visual, right? And then versus they, like just the white guy who looks like an right no, out of the Bible. The, no, he's not the white guy. Yeah, well, okay, that was a that, but in its in its no, own. I'm just saying visually, it just wasn't as good as the blue, you know, in this, angel of in death. Sixties, that was amazing. It's like okay, there's a guy with wings, and they're right. going to call him the angels. Then then the angel. Yeah. Then the, the game upped, right? There were yeah. more powerful mutants, and suddenly a guy flying around with fluffy wings wasn't kind of, no. you know, wasn't intimidating enough. So they upped his game. They changed his entire story. They went in, yeah. they did a deep dive on him, they deconstructed him, they put him back together, came back. It was amazing. And then there's a lot of soul searching, psychological stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then he grew his wings back. His wings just grow back. So now he's blue with fluffy wings again. Mind you, for all the readers, for all the listeners out there, this is not actually what's happening in Powers no, of X no, and House of I'm X. I'm saying this is this is this is indicative right. of what they do. Like they run out of room, right? And they just will shake everything up. We're just yeah. going to put everything in the box and shake it up and, and dump it out and however it's dumped. I out. will I will say this though: the grandeur, the scope that Hickman is is trying to achieve here, uh, yes, whether. That's exactly what I said to you when we were talking off that. I, I like the presentation. I think it the- still feels, yeah. It feels, every once in a while, and this is my hope for the series, right? 
you have something like the Grant Morrison run or the Joss Whedon run where they've, they impact the universe so much. At least the Joss Whedon run didn't destroy the other run while it was running. No, 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 no. But they impacted so much that all the writers after just seem to be riding the coattails in a sense of the, of the plot lines and the storylines and the characters. I mean, I remember when Chuck Austin like made Zorn his own character, even though Zorn was just supposed to be Magneto in disguise. And now Zorn is a character and has always been a character. That's, that's the scope and grandeur. There is like the guy who looks like uh, the GI Joe guy, uh, snake eyes, but he's, but he's not, he's like in a white coat. So he's, he's different. Um, But that's a, that's a Grant Morrison throwaway character that, that writers have just been like yeah. using it over and over again. So what I'm hoping with this series with Hickman is that it will, it will impact enough to the point where even if they throw everything out, it still doesn't get thrown out. There's still like those remnants to go. So powers of X number four hits another big one this week, miles Morales, Spider-Man number 10. Now why is Spider-Man number 10 like a big deal? Big deal is, Marvel also relaunches the books with new numbers all the friggin' time, but they also keep what they call the legacy numbers. And this is the 250th issue of Ultimate Spider-Man with Miles Morales under the mask. It's actually a pretty big deal. Um, for all the for all the Miles Morales has, has become legitimate. He got his own movie. Yes, he's you know he's up to 250 uh, issues in the comic books. He's not a yeah. He's not a junior player anymore. Yeah. So um, he's 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 another Spider-Man. He's officially another Spider-Man. Yep, and a viable entity with them, which is great, which is yep. fantastic. And uh, I think in this issue, he squares off against the Ultimate Universe Green Goblin. I think there's, I think somehow again, I don't know how that works exactly because they're all in the same universe again now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I know. I see what I'm saying. <laughs> On the DC end of things, uh, Batman 78, in the first part of a City of Bane interlude, Batman receives help from an ally he thought he had lost for good, which is Catwoman, uh, which is kind of crazy because that's coming off of the Catwoman-Batman wedding disaster that never happened. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a, that's a good, that's that's a, that's an issue to pick up and, uh, and see how that relationship is doing. And finally, wriggles his way out of that. We're going to give, our, give some love to uh, Sean Lewis, who was on our show. You can go check out our Thumbs uh, interview. Uh, thumbs number four. Thumbs tracks down his sister with disastrous results. Uh, M-O-M-T-M brings her fight to the city. That's mom. With the goal of sparking the outlaw technology and tearing down those in charge. Go check out Thumbs. Uh, again, I want to thank our guests, Kevin and Michael Bacon. Amazing job. Let us know. Sire Bites or... Sire push notifications. Yeah, yeah. Vote, baby. Vote. Next week, there really wasn't much fall movie preview because everything's on TV. We do our fall TV preview, which is going to be stacked. We'll see you all next week.